slinging hard, y'all. Oakland Athletics, Oakland Athletics, Oakland Athletics. Oakland A's in the house, y'all. Oakland Athletics, Oakland Athletics, Oakland Athletics. Oakland hard, y'all. Loyal's just a way for us to give back to the community show people you can do things at home that don't cost anything at all and have a great experience with the game of baseball. Hey, it's your friend Jason Mraz, the official spokesperson of the Good Tidings Foundation. And what an honor it is. On behalf of Good Tidings Foundation, we welcome you to the fourth season of the Good Tidings podcast that highlights the goodness in people. This episode is proudly sponsored by the San Francisco Giants. You can go to sfgiants.com for updates on the Giants and information on game tickets, special events, and promotions for the 2023 season. And now, enjoy the podcast. Today's episode of the Good Tidings podcast finds us sitting in Lever Coffee Shop in Alamo, California with a Bay Area native and former Major League pitcher. So Tyson Ross, welcome to the Good Tidings podcast. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I know I said Bay Area native, but you are truly rooted here in Oakland. You attended Northern Lights School. Then you literally crossed over Highway 580 to attend Bishop O'Dowd High School, then off to Cal for college. Along that path, what age did you really know baseball was your passion? Uh, I fell in love with the game when I was like four years old, you know, playing t-ball in Oakland Bay Ruth. It was a, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of great memories from the childhood, just living at the ballpark in the summers and springs. Yeah. After Northern Lights School, how did you pick Bishop O'Dowd? Uh, I basically just followed in the footsteps of my former teammates coming from Oakland Bay Ruth. Uh, Steve Singleton was a couple years older. He was a junior when I was a freshman over there. I was an incoming freshman going into his junior year, and he was someone I played with but looked up to, and uh, I knew it was a good baseball program, and I just not, there's not, not any other option, really. <laughs> so as you know, not too long after you left Northern Lights, we came in and built the Vita Blue Field of Dreams on campus, named for our friend Vita, who we lost way too soon earlier this year. Tell us why Northern Lights is such a special place. Yeah, it's a very unique school uh, situated in Oakland uh, as a private school, but caters to families of all income levels. You know, when I was going there, they were really preaching a nonviolent approach to their learning. And, and we learned about Martin Luther King, Muhammad Ali, great people from an early age. And, you know, in early second, third grade, you're learning about these great people. And, and the school has this unique ability to bring in different people that have made impact over, over the course of time. And and talk to the kids. So I remember being in middle school and having Jane Goodall come in and talk to the kids and Muggsy Bogues and, you know, Jason Kidd would be around and all these different, not not just celebrities and athletes, but people that really make a difference in the world uh, come through and really show love to the school and they really inspire the kids. Yeah, I do love the mission of blending the kids from wealth to kids that have very little resources and they become intertwined together. And uh, yeah, I just, I love, really love what Michelle's done there. And was it always your focus to stay close to home for college, or is that just the way it worked out? You know, I got a chance to play some travel ball, uh, you know, as a junior in high school and see different parts of the country. And I understood, you know, the lack of diversity in certain areas and, and just the Bay Area was comfortable. It was home. My mom went to Cal, so I grew up going to Cal sports camps. And then I'm the oldest of three, so I got a chance to go away to college but be close by. So, I, you know, I didn't just bail on my younger siblings. <laughs> 
And to top it off the hometown story, the Oakland A's draft you in the second round of the 2008 draft. Was that like a dream come true? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I grew up an A's fan. I was going to the ballpark all the time as a kid. You know, through high school, I was out there for Dollar Wednesdays, you know, the tickets I could afford. Uh, a lot of great memories in the stands, and I was fortunate enough to be able to lace up those white spikes to start my career and, and, and be right at home, which was amazing. Yeah. Tell us about your major league debut and that very special first strikeout. Yeah, so my debut was early April against the Seattle Mariners. They had, uh, you know, Ichiro, Suzuki, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. You know, fun fact, I know I think it says online my first strikeout was Ken Griffey Jr., but that was, that was my second strikeout. I struck out the first batter I faced, I think, was Rob Johnson, the catcher. Uh, I struck him out, and then later in the outing, I, I got Griffey on a 32 sinker, which Still blows my mind how I did that today. You know, I think I threw the pitch, he swung a miss, and I might have like said, oh, S-H-I-T, like, <laughs> in disbelief of what just happened in that moment. But it yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. That is really good. So you play in the big leagues for uh, over eight years. You're a 2014 All-Star. For you, what was your single most prized moment in pro ball? Uh, that's a tough question, but I think the, the coolest thing that happened to me in professional baseball was I got a chance to watch my younger brother make his major league debut. You know, the stars line perfectly. I pitched in Cincinnati on like a Friday night and the Padres flew me out first thing Saturday morning to D.C. to watch my younger brother Joe make a, his debut against the Cubs in I think it was 2015. So that was a pretty memorable day just because I was nervous all day leading up to my start, not for myself, but for my younger brother who, you know, I know I know how tough it can be. And I just faced the Cubs a couple of weeks before. And that was like that team that went on to win the World Series the following year. So they had. A lot of talent, and I got a chance to you know sit in the stands and watch my younger brother make his debut. And did you give him a scouting report ahead of time? I, I just I just told him have fun and breathe out there. Yeah, you know, he did a great job. <laughs> yeah. So tell us now what you're doing uh, with our arch rival down south, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, I took a job in February with the Dodgers as a special assistant to player development and performance. So I get a chance to get out there. I was around for all spring training. Uh, worked with the minor leaguers go around to different affiliates throughout the year, work with the pitchers, talk with the players, kind of shed light on, on my journey as a player and help them along theirs. That's, that's really cool. And three years ago, you started the nonprofit Loyal to My Soil. Tell us about your mission and the motivation for that work. Uh, yeah, so growing up in the Bay Area, uh, I played baseball in an all-black league down at Greenfield in uh, East Oakland. Oh, yeah. Got tremendous memories from that. Loved the game from an early age and, and really it was a community-based league. You know, you had dads out there coaching. I've got lifelong friends from those days and, and now I'm seeing what's going on in the community and, and baseball's really turned into a pay-to-play sport and pricing out a lot of families. So I created Loyal to My Soil as a way to re-engage kids in the community with the game of baseball and, and bring the baseball family back together. So we go around the Bay Area hosting free camps for kids in underserved communities. Uh, we donate equipment, we host educational workshops, and all the coaches that come out are either former D1 players or professionals like myself, my brother. We had Vita Blue out there before he passed. He was, he was great with the kids. We've had Willie McGee, we've had Bit Roberts, all these local guys find time to give back to the kids in the community, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I know one challenge now, I mean, I'm older, back when I played youth baseball, it wasn't an expensive sport, and there was a lot of access. I don't think people realize how expensive it is to play youth baseball now, how much a glove costs, a bat costs, and then to get into leagues that you want to get into. That, that's a big hurdle for youth when they're choosing what path, wouldn't you say? 
Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about gloves that are $300, bats that are 450 <laughs> and that's just the basic necessities of the sport. And with travel baseball and the costs associated with that, you think about, okay, this kid's got to get out get out to Arizona. We need a plane ticket. We need a hotel room. We got to feed them. We need a rental car on top of team fees. And then it's not just the kid going out by themselves. You got mom, dad, brother, sister. You know, things add up quick and, it, and it's really pricing out a lot of families. And so, yeah. you know, loyal is just a way for us to give back to the community, show people you can do things at home that don't cost anything at all and have a great experience with the game of baseball. And as you get older and there's those opportunities to play travel ball, yeah, put some money aside and, and save for it. But you shouldn't have to pay for everything. Yeah. How much emphasis is put on developing and providing opportunities to young black players? Uh, within this program, that's a that's a main focus of yeah. it. It's open to everybody. You know, we don't want to exclude anyone, but we try and go around to where the need is greatest. Uh, we've been in Oakland, we've been down in uh, San Mateo, been out to uh, Fairfield, and anywhere a community needs us. We've got a big camp coming up out in, in Contra Costa College. We're going to be there for the community. So it's really community based. You reach out to us, let us know you want to camp in your area, and we'll be there for you. That's great. I know Major League Baseball is trying to build some of these academies in inner cities. They've had the program RBI forever. But what more needs to be done to get more black players the opportunity to get into pro ball? I think it really starts at the community level. You know, I, I started this because I know, I know the RBI program. They've been supporting us. I know Major League Baseball and the Players Alliance are doing their due diligence and trying to think of an overarching solution to the problem. But... I think it really starts in the community and, and the community-based programs like this where all of a sudden black kids in the community are playing baseball from a younger age. There's a support system for them with coaches and parents and people, you know, guiding them along the way. That's how you're going to see, uh, you know, more players starting to reach those higher levels, whether it's college, high school drafts, things like that that feed the pipeline of future professional players. Yeah, I know. And I know one big hurdle, and this has been for over 30 years, Division one sports, every single football player is on full ride, 90 of them. Every single basketball player, 15 of them are on a full ride. And here's a baseball team with 30, 35 players, and they have 11.7 scholarships. That's a, a hurdle that's got to change. Otherwise, if I'm a young kid, I, I don't see my opportunity. You know, it's riskier to turn the baseball path, wouldn't you say? No, 100%. It's a continuation of the pay-to-play model that's taken over youth sports. So you got to pay-to-play to play the travel ball through high school. Even if you have the talent to go play Division One, there's not enough scholarships for everyone. So the kids that have the means to pay the other, you know, if you get books covered, you've got 85% that your parents have to pay. And, you know, those same kids that were paying for travel ball have the means to pay for college and continue their education and, and be a D1 athlete. So, again, it's just athletes getting priced out and you know, you look at what happened with that major league draft dropping down from 50 rounds to 20. Now it's the same thing that teams have to be really strategic with their players that they're picking. They need to be more more developed because it's a higher risk that the teams are taking when you don't have a, a full 50 rounds of draft picks to, to take some shots in the dark there. Yeah. You know, I noticed, you know, most California big leaguers end up migrating, most of them, to Arizona as they play and retire and you came back, you stayed here, you made your home here, you continue to be here, why is that? Uh, definitely wasn't taxes, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I've got a love for the Bay Area, man. I, I grew up here, 
uh, had an opportunity to move around the country, playing in different cities and looking at different markets to, to settle down and start my family. But ultimately, I knew I wanted to be close to home. Both of my wife and I are from the Bay Area. Our parents live here. So having grandparents around with young kids is amazing. But uh, I also knew there was a lot, a lot of unfinished business here in the Bay. I had a, a really good support system growing up, and I knew that that was kind of falling off. And, you know, over the years, I'd, I'd been hearing whispers of what was going on in Oakland Bay Ruth, the, the league I grew up playing in. And, you know, they've got a really storied history. And, you know, they produce people like Dave Stewart and Ricky Henderson and myself and my brother Nico Horner and so I know if those kids in the community don't have a field to play on don't have a league that's there to sustain them there's not the the numbers or, or the the legacy is going to end with Nico so I knew I had to come back and and find a way to make a difference in the community and, and just give back and so far three years in it's been a lot of fun I've reconnected with a lot of people I grew up with coaches players friendships uh, all rekindled and it's it's all through the game of baseball and and in the spirit of giving back yeah, well, I think it's great what you're doing. As an old scout, the history here is really, really good. And now with the A's likely leaving, there's even more of a need for this, for you to represent the city of Oakland and, and to provide baseball opportunities. In our show notes, we'll let people know how they can get engaged with you and contribute and help your cause. I just want to wish you the best of luck to uh, your program, Loyal to My Soil. And thanks for joining me today on the show. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed another episode of the Good Tidings Podcast, hosted by Good Tidings Foundation founder, Larry Harper. For more information on all the good we're doing, go to goodtidings.org.